Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. So this morning, I'm going to be uh, speaking on the prodigal heart. And he said, isn't that supposed to be prodigal son? Well, yes, but the prodigal son had a prodigal heart or he wouldn't have been the prodigal son. So I'm just going to read the parable. Remember that a parable really only has one point to it. Okay, it isn't a a whole bunch of stuff. We learned that in our MIT class. Any MIT student can tell you a parable only has one point. The point is God's love and restoration. So in Luke chapter 15, here's the parable. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them from his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, pigs, this Jewish boy. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a way, great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, and put it on him, and a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to be merry. So we know there's another part of this story, the older brother, but we're not going to go into that. Okay, except to say that some of us rejoice when a sinner has come home, and some of us think there should be some kind of punishment before acceptance. And we don't see that in this parable. Some of us have a wait and see attitude. We don't see that in this parable, do we? There's no, the father's not saying we will wait and see. So, prodigal means wasted extravagance. Wasted extravagance. So, I wonder how many times God has to deal with prodigal hearts. That's all of us. Okay. 
So the word prodigal meaning wastefully extravagant, it doesn't always mean money. It starts in the heart and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Remember that everything that we do, any time that we sin against God, any time we sin against one another, it starts in the heart. Okay, it doesn't start with the circumstances. We like to, well, they did this, they said that. We like to push it out there, but God says, no, start where it starts. It starts in the heart, and it starts with a hardening of the heart, not toward the person, but toward God first, then toward the people around us. And so, how many times we hear, I was close to God, but it just seemed to slip away. Or I wanted God to do something for me and he didn't, so I don't need him. Then tragedy hits and the cry is to God. We may not ask for our inheritance from God, the Father, but when you realize how much he's already given you already and what have you done with it, we have a very extravagant Father. Very extravagant. I mean, you think about your own life. Just think about, if you only have one thing to think about, that you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have a very extravagant, extravagant Heavenly Father. Okay, He didn't just get you by. He threw open the door and said, we'll do everything. So how, how do we start getting a prodigal heart? Well, it starts when we decide what is best for us. How many times have you decided, you know, I think I know what's best for me. <laughs> we say that all the time. I know what's best for me. Do, do we? Rarely. So we decide what's best. And then we demand, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So we're not going to get all of our heavenly inheritance by saying that. But what are we asking God for? Give me what I have coming when you die, this is what this son is saying to the father. I don't want to wait for you to die to get my inheritance. So give me my inheritance just as if you had died. Boy, that, that really would hurt a heart, wouldn't it? Would hurt mine anyway. And so we're weary of not having total control what really isn't ours yet. There are still things that God is holding in heaven that they are not yours yet, but you will receive them, but we get impatient to have it. I want what I want. And when do we want anything? Now. Now, God, now. And God is not a now God. I don't know if you noticed that, but I found that he's not a now God. Once in a while, he's a now God, but most of the time, he's a wait God. Just wait. Just be patient. I don't want to be patient. Give me patience. Give it to me now. You know, now. We're right back to now again, aren't we? We just can't seem to get away from now. We're so impatient, and this culture is really an impatient one. I mean, we just, we just can't wait for anything. I mean, we can drive through now. We don't have to get out of the car and walk in. Well, now it's not fast enough. There's a, two cars in front of me. I don't have time for this, you know. And we just get into that now thing, and everybody should move out of the way. I'm coming through, you know. Who are you that you should be coming through, you know? 
Well, doesn't everybody do that? Well, pretty much, yes. So we get weary of not having total control. You do not have total control over anything. I'm just going to let you know right now. Okay, so you don't have to worry about controlling everything. And if you're trying to control everything, my best word to you this morning is stop it. Because you don't have control anyway. You just think you do. So we don't have control. So this son did not have control. He had an inheritance. He knew that he had a part in his father's belongings and possessions. And he just was tired of waiting around. He had things to do and places to go and people to be with. And he needed that inheritance right now. And amazingly enough, the father gave it to him. He gave it to him. Okay. You know, sometimes you just have to do that. And sometimes God does that too, doesn't he? Okay. You want to do it, do it. You're not going to like it. But go ahead. That's what I used to tell my kids when they get on me about, Mom, Mom, Mom. Okay, go ahead and do it. You're not going to like it. But go ahead. And then they're like, well, well, slow down a little bit. So what is it that we think that we should have right now? Okay, one thing is that I'm supposed to be healed now. I've been sick a long time. I've had the, hey, I got my arm out. It works fairly well. It's getting better. <laughs> but um, just telling God I want it to work really good in minutes, it didn't happen. But I'm glad to have it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I'm supposed to be healed now. I'm supposed to prosper. I'm supposed to be happy at all costs. And then going, I'm not happy in this marriage. Whoa. Where did unhappy come into marriage? When we didn't take care of it. I will take the vows and promises and squander them on someone else. That's what we do. When we start being unfaithful to our loved one, we take the promises and the vows that we made to that person and we squander them on someone else who really does not value them at all. And so we start wasting extravagantly. And it costs. I will use up the love of my family. I will just use it up. I will receive it, but I won't give it back. I will use it up. I will squander the love of my family. I will live the way that I want to. God the Father has too many rules. Well, he's only got a few. He only made ten. How many did you add to it? How many did the church add to it? How many did anybody else add to it? And God has rules for reasons the same way that you do for your children and for your own life. But this is why we start getting a prodigal heart. This is where we start wasting what God has given. God set rules in place for us and told us how to live so we would be content and we would be happy. If you're not content and you're not happy, you need to get back to the book. Okay, go back and read again what he said, because what he said would make you content and happy. 
in him. But when we do it our way, it goes away. It doesn't work out. It just doesn't work. And God just doesn't let it work. And you may think you're the happiest, you know, right now that everything is wonderful. I'm doing it my way. But that lasts just a teeny little time. Then it starts eroding, doesn't it? I will live the way I want to. The Father has too many rules. There is no thought to what my actions will cause in the future. I'm living for right now. What will my actions cause in the future? The prodigal never thinks that way. Never thinks what the end result of this might be. Never thinks what this decision is going to cause. What's going to happen? If I make this decision, seeing it, looking as far out as I can look, what will this decision do? Prodigal thinking never does that. Never does that. Now. I want it now, and I want to live now, and I want to live for now. So, so how does this happen? How does it progress? James Dobson once said, the grass looks greener on the other side, but it still has to be mowed. You have to take care of it. There's no just free living over on the other side of the fence. And we always think that there is. We actually think that we're in control of our lives, and now I can do what I want. <laughs> Have you ever got to do what you wanted, everything you wanted? No, it doesn't work out that way, does it? I can do anything I want? No, you can't do anything you want. You can do some of what you want. You might get a few things of what you want, but just to walk around and say, I can do anything I want, you're going to get challenged in about two seconds. Because it's an attitude that we have. I'm in control now. And we have to realize reality in that moment that you think you're in control and you think you got it all together, you just lost control. You just lost reality because that's a la-la land living. Okay, that's what I call it anyway, la-la land living. That means everything is wonderful out there. I'm going to make this decision and it's going to be wonderful. I remember when my son was complaining because I charged him rent to live at my house when he was working. And I said, you have to pay your part, you know. And it was $200 a month. Oh, my gosh. So one day he said to me, Mom, I can live out away from home way cheaper than that. <laughs> and I said, son, do it then. <laughs> so he packed up with a friend and away they went. They drove off to Eugene, living somewhere. I, I didn't even want to know about it. And about three months later, he came home to visit. He looked, he was skinny anyway, but he was skinnier, and he was in the refrigerator all the time. His head was in the refrigerator, and he said, Mom, do you have any idea what it's like to live on Raymond? I said, no, John, I, I don't, quite frankly. He said, it's not good. I said, well, how's your living going? You must be saving tons of money. <laughs> I, I, I was not a good prodigal mother, I'll tell you that. <laughs> 
And he said, I don't have any money at all, and I don't have any food, and I can't do anything, and I can't go. It's horrible. And I said, well, enjoy your new life, John. (laughs) So I didn't invite him back. He didn't ask to come back either, because he knew how it would be. (laughs) And that's what we do. We think it's going to be so much better, and we have to think this through. And this is what this prodigal son did, but this is what we, when we get into prodigal thinking and wasting the extravagance of God in our lives, these are the places that we come to, and we say, how did I get here? How did I get here? Well, it was a process to get here. So God, in his wisdom, lets us have our our own way like any good father. He knows how this is all going to turn out. The prodigal's father knew how this was going to turn out. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been standing out there (laughs) watching. He knew that he was going to throw it all away. And he knew he was going to come back because he was watching for him. If he didn't think that he was coming back, it would have been about his own business and telling his older son how much better he was and what a great son he was and what a creepy son his other son was and disowned him. And, you know, they would have had many conversations about it. But the prodigal father, he's watching because he knows he's going to be back. And our Heavenly Father, when we go wandering around thinking that we know what's best, thinking we know how to do it, thinking we know better than God, our Heavenly Father does the same thing. He waits for us. He waits for us. I mean, that should just bless your heart to know. Even at my worst, He waits for me. So real life hits then, which it did with my son, and it does with all of us. Has everybody had a taste of real life somewhere in your life? Oh, absolutely. If you've been alive five minutes, you have. (laughs) Because that was the first taste you got. Whoa, it's cold out here. (laughs) (laughs) So real life hits, and it's usually not kind. But when we are used to being taken care of, we don't realize how much it it takes to take care of us. When someone's taking care of you, you don't think about what they're having to do to take care of you. So when you got to do it all yourself, now you begin to realize, you know, you got to pay a power bill to keep the electricity on. You got to pay the water bill to keep it on. You got to pay the rent to the mortgage. You got to you got to do it. I just thought we lived here. Well, you did. <laughs> it's the rest of us that had to take care of it. But we don't think about that because there was no plan, was there? So the next step is a plan. There really isn't one. And we get into extravagant waste and wasting the extravagance of the things in our life. There isn't a plan. He had one plan. That was to leave home and have lots of money. That was his plan. He didn't plan where he was going to live or anything. So the plan is to be free from those in authority over us. You know, we hear teenagers, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get out on my own. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And we get the same way, you know, God, I can't wait. So I'm going to do it myself. God, I want to do it my way. 
So we want to be free from those in authority over us. And he made no provision for a place to live to make his inheritance last. He just grabbed the money and away he went, ready for a big time. And he was everybody's friend for a while, as long as he had money and big parties going. So if you're everybody's friend, you might want to stop and see why you're everybody's friend. (laughs) And if I didn't have this, would you be my friend? Because you'll find out pretty soon, if you are being extravagantly wasteful, you're going to use up your resources and your friends are all going to be gone. That's how you find out. Don't find out that way. That's the worst way. So he had, he was everybody's friend, and this was a great life. Wow, this is what I dreamed of, having money, doing what I want, not having to work on the farm, not having to deal with sheep, and my brother complaining, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever happened to me. This is super. Everybody loves me. Look at all my friends. Look at all my friends. Look at all my Friend, look at all my, everybody was gone. So then we go into the state. A sinful state is a state of departure and distance from God. They revolt from their allegiance to God. That's when the wives, husband, children, we depart from everything that we've known. A sinful state is a spending state. Bank accounts, credit cards get maxed out, living my new life. I don't think about what's going to happen. Families suffer. Provision that God has made in their lives are wasted, and that which is destroyed is not his own. They are the Lord's provision. Whatever you have, right down to the very next breath that you're going to take, is God's provision in your life. Everything you have is God's provision in your life. And we have to remember that, because if we can remember that, we can be grateful for it. Thank you, God. And then one day there's not another breath. Then one day there's not a bet today. It's a provision. Provisions God has made are wasted. How many provisions has God made in our lives that we wasted? We didn't use it the way God said to use it or wanted to use it. And we waste it. We waste time. We waste money. We waste resource. We waste love. And people love us. Do we love back? Do we love anyway? God said, I'll give you my love and you give it away. That was the whole idea. I give it to you and you give it away. Have we given it away or are we just wasting it? Is it all parked in here? That which is destroyed is not his own. It wasn't his own money. It was an inheritance that someone had given him. He didn't have to have an inheritance. When people start talking about my inheritance, my it's not yours. It's not yours. It's a gift. Yeah. Well, I earned it. You know, I was the good child. Well, bully for you. You know, you should have been a good child. <laughs> when we get away from the attitude that I'm owed, 
God owes me. God does not owe you anything. Nothing. He has given you way more than you ever deserved because we deserve death and hell. That's what we earn. Oh, I earned it. I deserve it. No, I, I never say those words to God. Never, never. I never tell God what I deserve. I tell God I didn't deserve that and thank you for it. But don't go telling God what you deserve because he knows exactly what you deserved. And what you deserve today. And he gives us way more. Because all we deserved was death and hell. So, wow, everything above that is a bonus. And we need to see it that way. God's made provision in my life that I did not deserve to have. I did not deserve to be loved by God. I did not deserve to have Jesus die. I did not deserve to have God provide food for me, to provide a roof over my head. I did not deserve that. He gave that to me. God is extravagant. But I cannot waste that extravagance. And that's what he wants us to get in our heart. Am I wasting the extravagant things that God has given me? Or am I using them the way he planned me to use them? A sinful state is a wanting state. The terrible day that reality hits, again, is when he realizes that he has lost it all. He's lost it all. Now he's left his father's house. He took his inheritance that he had coming to him when his father died. He took it out and he spent it on wild parties and everything until it was all gone. And then he had to go find a job. And the only job he could find was feeding pigs. And he really wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. Blah. I mean, think about, I mean, that, that's getting down pretty, pretty low. He had lost it all, and he realized he lost it all. And sometimes we have to stop, and we hear people say, I've lost it all. In counseling, we hear it a lot. I've lost it all. Families, friends, my job, my home, self-respect, and most of all, relationship with my Heavenly Father. The greatest loss of all. There is nothing but famine in my land. When I go this route, I'm going to end up in famine. And we know people, and maybe you've experienced it, that of being in a land of famine, where there was nothing that you could get a hold of. And this is where he found himself. A sinful state is a servitude state. Many times when you talk to people in dire straits, they will tell you they had it all. I've heard so many stories. I had it all. I had a house, had a car, had a motorcycle, had a boat, had this, had that. I had it all. Had kids, had family, had relationships. I had it all. And then they tell you they had it all, but wasted it extravagantly on selfish living. A sinful state is a state of perpetual dissatisfaction. The prodigal could find no help or relief from his situation. He had moved away from his greatest resource, his father. 
His father was his greatest resource. And had he just come upon hard times, his father would have been right there to help him out. But now, because he pushed that resource away from him, I don't need you. I don't need your rules. I don't need your house. I don't need your food. I don't need a place to belong. Pushed it back. And now there's no satisfaction. There's no help. No relief. Because once all your party friends leave, then who's left? Nobody. Then you got to get a job that you never thought you would ever do because you threw it all away. You threw it all waste. Wasted it. A sinful state is a state of being lost and dead. What can change it? Some things can be lost forever, and some things can be restored. Some people are able to get their life back together, and that's great. And some people never get their life back together. And I've talked to them. Pastor Jimmy's talked to them. If we do any kind of counseling or share with people, you've heard the stories. Some get some restoration, and some, it's lost forever. There's no going back. So what has to happen? Confessing what a mess I've made of my life. First of all, I made the mess. Not, well, it was my wife, it was my kids, it was my job, it was God, it was a pastor, it was a church, it was any time we push it out here, we're not going to have any resolution at all. We have to start right here. I messed up. I made a mess out of my life. The question is, is there any hope for me? Is there any hope for me? And you may be feeling that way today, but i got good news for you. God is the God of second chance. And we've all had the second chance, haven't we? Over and over and over and over. God is the God of second chance. In my Father's house is plenty of bread. In my Father. So what would be the wisest thing to do? So he said he would go to his Father and repent. He would go back. God is so gracious that the moment that we repent, we are not back in his family as a servant, but as a son and a daughter. Fully restored. Fully restored. Don't you think that's amazing? You know, we we can't always do that with our own kids. Fully restore them. But the minute we repent, it turns everything around. And God takes his big eraser and wipes your slate clean. Now what are you going to write on it? So we don't just come back, second-class citizens. You know, people say, well, I can't go back. God doesn't want me back. God wants you back in the worst way. Don't ever believe that lie. You always have a road back to God. Always. You have a road back to God. Always. There's never a time. You can't do anything bad enough. You can't get back to God. Let me tell you that. And people have done some pretty terrible things. We've all done terrible things somewhere in our life or said things. But there's always the road to God is still open. And God is still looking for you. Looking for you. 
We don't understand the great joy the father has the moment he sees a son or daughter coming back. He throws aside his very dignity, pulls up his robe so he can run faster, and never mind that his legs are showing. I mean, this was disgraceful. You know, I'm sure that there were many self-righteous Christians standing around saying, that is disgraceful. Look, you can see his legs. You know, well, if it so bothers them, why are you looking at his legs? And it's like, he has just gone crazy. Why? Because he saw him afar off and not everybody else saw him. They weren't even sure what he had seen. But he was watching and the second he saw him, he hiked up his robe and away he went. You can't run in ropes very well. So he just hiked the thing up and away he went. Running fast so he could get to his son. His legs showing. He can only see one thing. His son. And when you repent, God can only see one thing. You. You. And he's on the move. He's moving toward you. He's not saying, well, when they get here, then we'll forgive them. He's coming at you. He's coming at you. God's always after you. Have you noticed God gets after you? I mean, God can be a nag. I mean, he can just... So away he goes. He can only see one thing, his son. He's right there with the kiss of forgiveness. Now let's think about what this son must smell like. He's been with the pigs. But the father didn't smell that stink. He kissed him. The kiss of forgiveness is a sweet kiss. And no matter how dirty you are, no matter how bad you've sinned, there's still a kiss of forgiveness for you. And then he put the best robe of righteousness. Remember that we, Paul admonishes to put on the robe of righteousness. So he covers him up with a robe of righteousness. You know, he's looking better all the time, isn't he? And then the ring of authority. That he is his son. And his son's trying to tell him, Dad, I'll just be a servant if you just let me be a servant. I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be content. I won't ask for anything. And he didn't even get to say it because the father didn't want to hear it because this was his son. This was not a servant, not ever going to be a servant. Going to be a son of his. And so he wouldn't even listen to him. He didn't say, bring the servants close, kids back. He didn't say that. He said, bring the best. Bring the best. And your heavenly father says the same thing about you. Bring the best. Get that robe of righteousness back on. Get that ring of authority of who you are in Christ. Get that back on. Put sandals back on those bare feet. He had authority. And the father didn't give him a peanut butter and jam sandwich and say, that's good enough for you. You know, he just said, if I could just have some bread from my father's house, I'd be eternally grateful. He didn't even ask for peanut butter and jam on the bread, you know. But 
He said, kill the fatted calf. Now everybody had a calf that they locked up and it couldn't run around and run the fat off of it. That's why it was a fatted calf. So there was always a fatted calf in Jewish tradition, in Jewish homes. There's a fatted calf in case a special occasion came up. Then you were prepared because you had a fatted calf all ready to kill and serve and celebrate. So he tells him, Get the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. Heaven has a party when we repent, when we turn around. Heaven has a party. Angels shout, sing, sing hallelujah, praise the Lord. God has a party. He's happy. He's put your robe back on you. He's put the ring back on you. He's put sandals back on your feet. God is having a party because you're back declaring, here is my son I thought was dead. And when we go into sin and when we throw it all away, we are dead. We go into death. We bring death into our life. We let death into our life. Sin is death. And you say, here's my son I thought he was dead, but he's alive. He was so excited. And that's what he says about you. You know, when we get into trouble and I get into trouble, you know, I thought you were going to die, but you're alive. You know, I, God gets really excited. I don't know about your God. My God gets really excited. And he says, you're alive. You're back. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, here, put your rubber right to this back on and let's put a zipper on it and a lock on the zipper. And so, <laughs> Keep it on. Keep it on. So God sees us dead in sin, but so ready to make us alive in Christ again. That resurrection power is at work all the time. Resurrecting us out of dead thinking, dead things that we've done, dead things that we've caught. God says, I want you to be alive in Christ. And he makes us alive again in Christ. So when we look at how extravagant our Heavenly Father is and always wants to be in our lives, our hearts should abound in love back to Him. First there is the amazing creation. And then Jesus, His Son. God emptied heaven when He sent Jesus. That is extravagant. There was nothing more that God could give for our salvation. He literally emptied heaven out for your salvation and for mine. That's extravagant. He didn't say, let's give them a little bit and see how they do with it. And then we'll give them some more. He gave us the whole thing. The whole nine yards. Jesus gave it all. That was extravagant. To give your lifeblood to the point that you die that we could be alive, that we could have life. His very lifeblood poured out for us that we could be his brothers and sisters. It was like in Hebrews where he says, I'm not ashamed to call you my brethren. I'm not ashamed to call you my brother and sister. God, Jesus didn't want to be an only child. He wanted brothers and sisters. And so he made provision that we could be his brothers and sisters. 
So if you're prodigal today, or you are having some prodigal action going on, it's time to make a change, and it can be made. Pastor Jimmy, you would come. This very room is a powerful place to be because God is so ready to give you the life change that you want to have. That maybe you came hoping that you might get something, but you have to take it because he's going to give it to you. And if you have that extravagant waste place in your life, whatever it may be, repent right here in this room. Don't walk out without it. Don't walk out smelling like the pigs. (laughs) Because everybody around you knows when you smell like pigs. Everybody around you knows when you're sinning and when you've gone against God. Because our attitude stinks. Walk out smelling like a child of the king. And you can do that before you stand up. Even right now. That's me, God. I have a prodigal place in my life. I have a place in my life that I am extravagantly wasting. And I want to repent of that. I want to repent. The son said, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven. And those few words released extravagant forgiveness and opens the arms of God wide to receive you back. And it's good for all of us to take account of what God has already given us. What am I doing with the extravagant love he gave me? What am I doing with all the provision he has put in my life? What am I doing with the opportunities he has given me? What am I doing with my life itself? Am I taking care of it? Am I using it the way they wanted? Or am I extravagantly wasting it? abusing it and so right now I'm just going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes and do business with God do business with God it may be a little thing it may be huge in your life but I can tell you you're in a life changing moment right now right now you can change some things in your life and the father is standing there watching waiting ready to run to you. Father, we just come to you and we just thank you that you're so so extravagant in our lives, so kind and gracious. Your mercy is extravagant. Your grace is extravagant. Your love is extravagant. What have I done with your love and grace and mercy? Have I kept it to me and enjoyed it? Or have I been extravagant into the lives of people around me? And Father, anyone has just walked away, I just pray right now that they'll just turn around in their mind, just turn around and look. And what they will see is they will see you with your hand over your eyes, looking for them and inviting you to come back. Come back. Come back home. You are a child of the King. 
You are the son and daughter of the most holy high God. You will get a second chance, a third, fourth, hundred thousand chance, because that's the kind of God that we have. And so, Father, I pray blessing on each one. I pray if there's life changes that need to be made, that they'll be made, and freedom will come, and peace and joy, and to be in your fa- our Father's house to come to the throne of grace and just be able to talk to you and tell you, God, you know, I'm not doing very well. I need your help. Or God, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for the provisions you've made in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to give your life and blood, that you were willing to die that I might live. That was extravagant. Help me to be extravagant back to you by walking in obedience and love and grace and mercy to those around me and we just want to say all we can say thank you thank you God thank you Abba Father thank you Jesus thank you Holy Spirit thank you that I can come back thank you thank you and God's people said Amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening.